Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today, on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on solid state, tube, and modeling amplifiers. For most of us, learning to play the electric guitar started in a similar place. We had a guitar to learn on, a cable to plug in, and of course, an amplifier to make the noise. When I was beginning, there was really only two options to choose from, solid state or tube. But now, there are modeling amplifiers, profiling amplifiers, amp simulation pedals, and impulse response speaker cabs. Well, what's right for you? What should you get? Why should you get it? We will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with Jason on the Tweed Couch. All right, so it is time for another group therapy session where we have Jason with us. It was a lot of fun to have you last time when we were doing multi-effects pedals and their purpose and how they are versus the analog. And we were talking a little bit after the show, and one of the things that got mentioned was, man, we should do one on like amplifiers because between the two of us, we've had a lot of amplifiers and a lot of modelers. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Jason, do you remember what your first amp was? Yes, I do. So my brother and I got, for a gift, a Crate GX15, which I'm assuming was the first amp of many guitar players. Little tiny box, probably a 8-inch speaker in there, solid-state amp, probably 50, 60 bucks at the time. And I still have it. Still sounds decently, well... It still it still makes noise. That's actually hilarious because my first amp ever was a Crate GX15 with an 8-inch speaker in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the uh, starter amp for everybody. It, it is, and I actually had that as a hand-me-down from my, uh, my brother Paul, mm-hmm. and he had played actually a concert with it, and I happened to remember <laughs> somebody putting a mic in front of it and going, man, I feel like that mic's bigger than the amp. <laughs> There's a good chance I was at that concert, to be honest with you, that Paul was playing. Yeah, actually, I think it was the it was a talent show at our high school we went to. Yes. <laughs> 1995 talent show. <laughs> okay, so if that was your first amp, now that's solid state. Have you had any other solid state amps? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know any difference. You know, I just needed an amp. And so I would go and I'd play and I'd turn it on and you know, whatever sounded good. So I went to probably Guitar Center at the time and tried out a Princeton chorus and I loved it. And at the time I was playing that 80s kind of country music and just had this clean, lush sound and you kick in the chorus and it, oh, it sounded good. And I still have this dream about how good that sounded. And I'm sure if I played one now, I would hate it. But at the time, oh, it was it was perfect. So what is so funny about that is that was actually my next amp as well, <laughs> is that I had a Fender Princeton Chorus amplifier. Uh, I wanted to get the Ultimate Chorus. Remember the Ultimate Chorus? It had like yeah. two 12-inch speakers. Um, and I decided that the two 10-inch speakers just sounded better. Have you played one lately? No, I've not played one lately. We we need to get together and try one and see if it still sounds as amazing as we remember it. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. One that I would assume would be considered a solid state amp, although it had a tube preamp in it, is a Fender Superchamp XD. I actually had two of them. 
I had because they were so cheap. I had one that I left at home and one that I left at a church that I played at. Yeah, so I've I've got the newer version of that, the Super Champ X2. My niece's boyfriend for Christmas wanted an amp, so we uh, got him one of those. And I thought, man, this sounds incredible. And when quarantine started this year, I thought I need an amp for my office, just a little amp that I can kind of practice and play. And while I'm sitting in Zoom meetings, you know, play the guitar a little bit. And uh, so I bought one for myself and I, I mean, I love it. It sounds really good. It's not super loud. It can be loud if you want it to, but yeah, I love it. It sounds really good. It does have a tube in there. So I don't know, maybe a hybrid kind of amp. It's not fully tube, not solid state, but a little somewhere in between. It's a great amp. Um, The reason why I ended up getting rid of it was I had a guitar that had really high output pickups. And every time I plugged in the guitar, Mm -hmm. um, I felt like it hit the front end too hard. And it kind of digital distorted out. Yeah. And you didn't notice it a ton, but I noticed it enough that I went, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and get rid of it. So I ended up selling it off, which meant I had to sell two of them because I had one at church and one at home. You know, for my single coil pickups, Strats, Telecasters, it's it's awesome. And I usually just, you know, it's got two channels. So it's got one channel that's just kind of like a champ channel. And then it's got another one that's got all the modeling in there. And I usually just keep it at the the champ channel so it's just a clean fendery quiet tone and then i run pedals in front of it it sounds really good have you tried your paul reed smith swamp ash special with the narrow field pickups with it not through that amp no that that stays upstairs where the nice amps are where it belongs it belongs in it's it's in the uh the platinum room it's in the luxurious <laughs> studio you know yes. we're only the we're only the best players. Yes, exactly. And yourself go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Only the best players are allowed, but since I own it, I get to go in as well. That's right. Yeah. When, as we talk about the amplifiers that we have, which amplifier would you consider was your first real deal amplifier? Like for me, that Fender Princeton Chorus, that was a real deal amplifier. I know it's solid state and some people will boo me, but yeah. the fact is, is that that was a real deal amplifier. But if I had to pick my next real deal that most people will consider, I have a 1981 Marshall JMP 2204. So that's the 50 watt Marshall amplifier that a lot of people will talk about with a master volume. And I have it paired with greenback speakers in a basket weave 412 cabinet. And I tell you what, that... That is a real deal amplifier to me. Yeah, that that's the amp that made me start paying attention to Marshalls because before then, just wasn't really my thing. And I heard that, even the clean tone of that, and I thought, dang, that's a nice amp. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And, you know, and part of the reason why I ended up picking up that, that amplifier was just because um, I had been using some others and been kind of working through it, not knowing exactly what I wanted. And it wasn't until all of a sudden good friend of mine named Lloyd who had picked one up and said these things are great and I went yeah if you like like Metallica and Guns and Roses and (laughs) that kind of stuff and he was like no this is ACDC um and I was like okay well I'll, I'll give it a shot and he had a 2203 which was the 100 watt version and uh I I fell in love I was like this is excellent this is exactly what I've Mm -hmm. been looking for yeah I mean it sounds it, it sounds incredible and to my country slash older classic rock loving heart like i if i found one i would probably buy it that's how much i like it it's it sounds so good so what what would you define as your first real deal amplifier well probably the princeton course too but i i remember i went to this big concert and my favorite guitar player steve warner was down on the stage and probably playing a basement at the time or a blues deville 
But I went to the store and I traded my Princeton course in for a Fender Blues Deluxe. And I remember the first time I played that thing, it hit me. It hit me in the chest and I could just feel it. I could feel every chord. I could feel every note. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. That's awesome. Now I understand what tube amps are. And so that that is what led me on this path of tube amps. And I'm always like, even now when I'm playing an amp, I'm chasing that feeling of, does it hit me in the heart? Does it does it shake my bones? And not even in a loud way, but just a nice compressed kind of oomph, you know? That's 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 what that blues deluxe did for me. And ultimately I ended up getting rid of it because it was too dang loud for my bedroom, which is where I was playing most of the time. Well, it was a, it's a forty watt, right? You're talking about the yeah, 40. the tweed hot rod blues deluxe? No, no, no. This is the very first one. So this was not a hot rod or anything, just a blues deluxe. Oh, that's right. Yes. In the 90s, they just made that Blues Deluxe. That's right. Yep, Tweed um, sounded amazing. And, and I, I think that it had two channels. I think it had a drive channel on it, too. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I had, um, I've actually had a number of, of the, the Hot Rod Series ones, yeah. you know, which I know that you weren't talking about that. But that, that's kind of what that grew into was yeah. the, the Hot Rod Series amps. I, I've had three of the Blues Juniors. I think most of mine were in the like Blues Junior 2, Blues Junior 3 series i had the tweed one with the nos jensen speaker in it mm-hmm. and that thing sounded great but it was kind of boxy sounding i had a regular one just the black one that was stock yep and that, that one was real boxy sounding i ended up getting rid of that one and uh then a guy had one on craigslist for like 300 bucks and i went mm-hmm. okay i'll give it a shot i had the eminence patriot yeah. in it and i thought that sounded better but once again it was still too boxy for me so i just I sold it. Yeah. So I've ne- I've never had a Blues Junior, but I've had a bunch of the Blues Deluxe or Hot Rod Deluxes or or whatever. And I th- I just think that they they've been around so long. It's just a testament to what a good amp it is. You know, they are pretty. You know, for the most part, they're pretty well built. And and I know that everybody's like, well, they're not hand wired or whatever. But you know, for the price of them, I, I don't think you can get a whole lot better amp than, well, than Hot Rod yeah, Deluxe. People people put a lot of weight into hand wired they're like no pcb you can't do pcb can't do it and although there's some merit to that these are also the same people who take their guitar and plug it into a guitar pedal which is a pcb yeah exactly you know and so you're taking your guitar you're plugging it into a bunch of pcb boards yes and then putting it into that pure amplifier that's turret board and you're like you're Mm -hmm. okay yeah and circuits are dumb. They don't care if they're hand wired or if they're, no. you know, on a PC. They just, they're going to flow. We've been conditioned by boards on the internet to think if it's not hand wired, it's no good. And, you know, I think that comes from the repair side of it. If you ever do have a PC board that goes out, you can't go in there with a soldering iron and fix it quite as easily. But to be honest with you, if my tube amp, something goes wrong, I can't go in there with a soldering iron and fix that either. <laughs> so I'm sending that to, to a tech either way. So right. I think that's where that comes from. But the sound, I mean... Those those Fender series they they sound incredible. They are really really good amps, especially if you're running pedals. You know you you get that clean sound the way you want it, and then put your pedals into it, get all your drive from there. It's it's a it's a good solution. And I mean those things have seen probably every bar stage in America. Oh yeah, you know and and put a lot of miles on them. And you can still <laughs> I mean you find them all the time for four hundred bucks, sometimes three fifty. Um, really affordable amp. It's a lot of amp for that money. Yeah. You know, actually, some other uh, some other like run of the mill tube amps that I've I've had that that seem to be pretty good workhorses 
or like the AC15 uh, by Vox. Had a few of those? I've had the Vox AC15 CC1X, which is basically the blue speaker in the... Yeah, which is the way to go, right? Yeah. You've got to have a Celestian Blue and a Vox. And you know what? It, it sounded great. I really, really liked it. The only reason why I sold it was because somebody offered me 100 bucks more for it than I paid, and I went... <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'll make a hundred bucks. I'd rather make a hundred bucks and then hope I find a deal later, you know. Um, yeah. And then the one that I actually currently own, I have a, a Vox AC15 C1 TV. So it's the the TV model. Mm-hmm. It, it's like blue and it's white and it has that like gray grill cloth on it and uh, and it has a, a green back in it. Yeah. That thing sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah. And what I appreciate, you know, most people are like, oh, well, I've got to have this. I've got to have a, a bass and middle and treble and I need a preamp and I need a master volume and I need reverb and I, you know and they start naming all these things off and in that AC15 I plug into the normal channel. The normal channel has volume, tone cut, master volume. That's it. Yep. And it's everything that I need yeah. for most all of my guitars. Yep. And you know, you know, you know, it's funny too, is I, I mentioned it earlier and then you talked about this one with the greenback internet forums have shaped so much of my opinions on things, mm-hmm. which is wrong. I know it's not right, but I read it and I read it over and over again. And you know, people commenting on YouTube about stuff. The truth is uh, 99% of the people I think, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I'm speaking for myself, put a Vox with a Celestian blue and they could put one with a greenback side by side and you could play them. And I don't think they would know the difference, to be honest with you. They might, you might be able to hear a difference in the tone, but I don't think you could pick out which one was which. Have you ever tried a Vox at all? I never even thought of Vox at all until uh, Brad Paisley came out and was playing Vox amps and stuff. I well, let me give this a shot. So I found a used AC15, you know, probably 400 bucks. Nice. And uh, played it and I really liked it. And that had a master volume on there too. So I could crank up the amp a little bit, but still keep it down. And um, yeah, I mean, that sounds... They sound great. And I put those kind of in the same category as the Blues Deluxe. You get a lot of amp for your money with those. I mean, just really, really good amps. In fact, I'm sitting here thinking about it, thinking, man, I, I kind of need another AC-15. I wish I had an AC-15 right now. <laughs> so uh, I'll probably be going on reverb later today. Oh, no. Oh, no. This therapy <laughs> session's going <Dang> going sideways. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my wife is going to be like, you got to stop doing this therapy. It's costing way too much money. But uh, but maybe, maybe I need an AC-15 with a greenback. Who knows? We'll try yeah. that out. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, you know, another one. So when I was I was actually looking for a Vox and I couldn't find a Vox. And on Craigslist one time, yeah. uh, a guy had an Eggnator Tweaker 15. Yeah, I have had one of those. Now that you bring that up, I've had one of those as well. Yeah. And so I ended up getting that because they were about the same price. Mm-hmm. You know, it was about 350 is what I ended up getting it for. And I remember getting that home and and plugging into it. And I was like, this thing's really nice, except it's almost like a blanket was on it. You know, it just wasn't as clear. Yeah. And I saw somebody on a forum say, oh, yeah, you just need to cut all the bright caps. And I was like, really? So I went into the chassis. I cut all the bright caps and that thing opened wide up. It was it was a great amp. I had it for a bunch of years. Well, and that Eggnator was a great, that's kind of a great entry into amps. It's so versatile. It's got so many options on there. So somebody could go in and be like, oh, I want to try this style amp and now I want to try this style amp. It's just a few little toggle switches and you got a, almost a different amp. So that's, that's a cool, cool design they've got there. You've had more boutique amplifiers than I have. 
Because <laughs> like, probably had more than most people have had, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. So like the only like true boutique amplifier I've ever had was a uh, like a 2005 um, Dr. Z Maz Junior with reverb, and it had a uh, a G12 H30 in it, and it was like mm-hmm. a 112 combo, and I bought it off of you. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I have a bit of a sickness with Dr. Z amps. I love them. Um, and that amp is a great amp. In fact, I wish I still had that, that 112, uh, Maz 18. It sounded incredible. A little Fendery, a little Marshall-y. Well, which something. is funny because, um, you actually ended up buying it back off of me again. Yeah. But then I sold it to somebody else <laughs> you know, or traded it or traded it something, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, so I've had, um, gosh, I've probably had three or four Maz 18s. I've had a couple of Carmen Gias, which I still have now. Um, a couple of Z-Rex, which are the fancy, you know, flagship Dr. Z model. Oh, yeah. Uh, Z-Rex. And I, I even had the, like, nice silver set of them that were, you know, kind of the fanciest of the fancy. Um, <laughs> the boutique of the boutique. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I've had the Mini Z. I've had the Z-Lux. I've had the RX Junior. I've had Cure. I've 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 bought almost everything he had out, but I've never been like this money bags kind of guy. So I do a lot of trading. So I'll have a really nice amp, and then I'll trade it for another amp. So I'm never at one time have I never have all these amps. It's just a constant trading. So I don't want to give off the idea that I'm some mogul sitting up here buying amps all the time. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, to keep in mind, we're probably going to be listing off 50 amplifiers at least between the two of us. And I currently own two. <laughs> I think I have four or five. It's the, it's an episode of the bachelor or like survivor or something. And it's just what, what's still around. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've had a bunch of Dr. Z's. I've also, I also have a bad cat right now, which I actually traded a friend of mine for I had a Port City Pearl, which is a really good kind of clean uh, pedal. Oh yeah, that isn't that one of those ones that you can basically just crank it all the way. You can dime it, yes. and it just still sounds clean. It just sounds clean forever, and it's 50 watts and sounds amazing. Um, but I just found myself for clean sounds playing my Fender amps, and so I put it up for sale. And this guy really wanted it, and he had a Bad Cat, and I never had had a Bad Cat before or Matchless or anything, and so. Um, I told him it's I was so nineties, right? Nineties. Yeah. <laughs> that's when top hat, bad cat, matchless. They were like the thing. You couldn't see Pearl Jam without it. Yeah, okay? I mean, it's it's my it's. Uh, I only play Matchbox Twenty songs on there. That's all I play. Just oh, perfect. Push over and over again. That's it. But <laughs> what, what's funny 3 is three a.m. Yeah, <laughs> I I didn't think I was. <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna like that. I thought, well, I'll just get it and I'll flip it and. I bring it home and, and play through it. And I was like, yeah, that's all right. Still though, I'm going to sell it. And then I, a couple of days later, I went back and played yeah. it again. I was like, dang, I really like that. And you know, you say nineties, but I love nineties country. Yes. So I get in there and I'm like playing and it sounds, it sounds awesome. But I, I remember not too long ago, Keith Urban was playing bad cats. I kind of crank it up a little bit and try to play some of his stuff. And it sounds good for that too. So, um, it, it might be a keeper cause it's one of those that, it was kind of early on in Bad Cats where Mark Sampson was still with them. And, um, oh yeah. So yeah, it's like, it's basically just a match list with a, with a Bad Cat logo on there. What I find interesting about boutique amps is really the whole electric guitar amplifier setup has been to some extent 
a recreation of something else. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, for example, Fender came out with the basement amplifier, and the basement amplifier was really what created the Marshall Super Lead. And mm-hmm. Mesa Boogie, you know, the whole reason why Mesa Boogie started showing up was because people were having their their Fender combos modded by this guy in California. And so now he makes his own yeah. amplifiers and, and puts all these options and stuff like that. What vintage amplifiers have you owned? Whenever I had my Fender Blues Deluxe, everybody kept talking about, you got to have a Princeton Reverb, got to have a Princeton. I mean, everybody was talking about that. And so I found a Princeton Reverb at this little junky guitar shop. This was probably 97, 98, somewhere around then. And I remember I could find, I could find Princeton Reverbs all the time, 350, 400 bucks, which now sounds ridiculous because if you're looking for one now, they're easy, a thousand bucks, you know? Oh yeah. Um, so that was my first amp. And, and I remember thinking at the time, it's like, ah, uh, I don't, this, this is not what I was hoping for. And I think the reason was, is because I was coming from this clean, punchy Fender Blues Deluxe sound that I liked and everybody who loved them, loved them cranked. You know, they, they love that, that tube distortion and overdrive. And, that's not something I was really interested in. So I liked it, but I didn't love it. It was too quiet for me because to keep it clean, you kind of got to keep it around around two, three, maybe four. And um, yeah, four at the max. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up selling that. But along the way, I've had um, I've had that. I've had a couple of Princeton reverbs. I've had a, a blackface uh, Princeton uh, that I had for a while. I think it was a 65. Uh, I didn't keep that very long. And I, I wish I had that amp right now because I would just keep it in the room. Like I would never play with it live. It would just be my plug in, get that sweet Fender sound and, and be done with it. But I, yeah, yeah, I, w- I would love to have that. But at the time it just wasn't really what I needed. So any yeah. other, any other vintage amps? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had a, I've also had a 66 Fender Deluxe, not a Deluxe Reverb, but a Deluxe, a Blackface Deluxe. And that amp I actually traded a Dr. Z amp for. And man, I kicked myself for, for selling that thing. Um, it sounded amazing at the time though. I had this, you know, probably $2,000 amp and I just didn't need it at the moment. I needed money probably more than I needed that. So I ended up selling that. Um, I've had a 66, I think maybe 65 vibro champ that I liked, uh, ended up selling that too. Uh, but right now I've got two, I've got a 74 Fender pro reverb that I got and it was modded. It had like a big 15 inch speaker instead of two twelves. They had done something on the, the tubes to where you could interchange the tube somehow, but I got that reverse back. But anyways, I got this amp a couple years back for like 350 bucks, which I thought was a steal. Oh, that is a steal. Yeah. Those are great amplifiers. Oh, it's great. And it's got that big punchy sound, kind of like that Fender Blues Deluxe. When I play it, I can just feel it hitting me. So does it still have a 15 in it? It does. It has a 15. I want, I think Gosh, it's, I'll bet you that thing just sounds huge. It does. It sounds awesome. And for that clean kind of punch you in the gut sound, it's, it's exactly, yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect for that. Um, so I've got that. And then I've got a 75 deluxe reverb that I searched for, for a long time. I found this guy who had one and it was just pristine and I'm happy as can be with it. I mean, it just sounds Perfect. That's what made me get rid of the uh, Port City because I play these two amps. I'm like, yeah. this is all I need. And uh, yeah, just beautiful amps. I've actually had a 63 and a 65 basement head. Yeah. 
And I ended up getting rid of both of them uh, just because, once again, I had these things and, I, and I'm playing them and I go, that's fun and all, but man, they're so loud. And I, I really would like to have something with a master volume or something like that. And then someone mm-hmm. offered me more for it than I paid. And I went, okay, I'll sell it. And I, and yeah. I got rid of it. <laughs> Um, that's the ultimate deal deal maker right there. When somebody I know you, you paid for something. I know cash is king, right? You know? And so, yeah, exactly. um, so, well, and then another thing is like, uh, uh my dad has had a, a 64 blonde showman amplifier. And so I've had a lot yeah. of time with that one. And that thing is a great clean amplifier. And your dad loves to play all the surf stuff, right? Yeah. So He'd play one of the, you know, a surf song and it just, oh, it, but it shakes the house too. Yeah, it does shake the house. It, it's really loud. <laughs> Once again, my friend Lloyd had a 71 Vibralux. Oh yeah. It was 210. And he let me borrow that for an album that I was doing with, uh, with Second Adam. Mm-hmm. And that thing's clean tones were just off the chart. Yeah. Like that was another one that I, I really, really liked. Um, I also had a 73 twin at one point. Oh, yeah. And it was, I swear, 85 pounds. <laughs> and I and was like, watts. nope. 85 pounds, a, a pound for every yes. watt. <laughs> it was a pound per watt. Yes. Yeah, it had to have wheels on it because uh-huh. I was like, man, I, I, I'm going to throw up my shoulder. I'm not worried <laughs> about my back. I'm worried about my arm falling off when yeah. I go to pick it up. Like, that's, that's how bad that thing was. I did have, this is not vintage unless you count 90s. Uh, as vintage, oh, it's getting close. Think of that. <laughs> yeah, um, I had a, a Mesa Boogie DC three, the dual uh-huh. caliber three or something, and it was green, forest green. <laughs> well, that's nineties. That speaks nineties. Oh yeah, it had like their black shadow speaker in it, and and everything. And that was a fun little amp. It it was a lot of bang for buck, but it was also very bass heavy. Mm-hmm. Like when you. When you played it, you could dial back the lows and it didn't necessarily matter. It was just big all the yeah. time. And I went, this is not what I'm looking yeah. for in an amplifier. I want, I want mids or something. So as mentioned before, you know, the reason why I've gotten rid of a lot of these Fender amplifiers that I really liked, like the Bassman and uh, uh, the Vibralux and, and even the Twin, was because they were so loud. What have you done? to try and decrease some of this volume in order to get the sound you want, but also make sure that the police don't show up in the neighborhood. Well, I mean, for the most part, I would say pedals is what I use to make that happen. Cause Mm. you know, you, you, you can tame your volume with a compressor or a, an overdrive or whatever. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. Lower the volume. So that, that's probably what I'd done in the past for the most part. Um, and then I discovered attenuators. And so I started using attenuators a lot or master volumes on an amp. Some of my amps, like a, the Fenders, they don't have a, a master volume on there. So, um, I've, I bought one of the boss Waza tube amp expanders. I don't know. Are you familiar with that? Um, I, I'm somewhat familiar because, uh, mostly my attenuator times had kind of started to pass as these things started showing up. Um, yeah, yeah. mostly because of the way that I dealt with it. T- tell me about the, the Waza. What does it do? Yeah. So basically it, it, it kind of is what it, it is called. It's a tube amp expander. So you can plug your, you put your amp in there and basically it, 
it acts as an attenuator. It acts as a uh, like a DI box, so you can put it straight into the board or put it straight into monitors or whatever, and you can run IRs through there. Um, it it also adds like an effects loop to your amp, so you it, it's got a power amp inside of it. So it'll your amp will hit it, and then you can put your delays and reverbs through in the loop. So a couple of my amps, like some of the older amps or even the Doctor Z uh, Carmageddon, doesn't have an effects loop, so I can put the my delays in after my amp. That's actually that's a really nice feature to to have because yeah. modifying. I mean, that was actually one of the things when I was looking for my Marshall was I was looking for one that was unmodded. And the first thing I would do to make sure it was unmodded was I would look to see if there was a, an effects loop. Yeah. Because that was a popular mod. Yeah, absolutely. And if I saw an effects loop, I went, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So the attenuator in there is really cool. It'll actually bring down the volume really well and sound like your amp, but you can also bring up your volume because it's got a power amp built into it. So let's say you've got a champ and you need it to sound like a deluxe reverb it'll bring up the power as well. So it kind of works both ways. It either brings it down or brings it up depending on what you need. That's brilliant. So yeah, so th- that's that's one thing I've used a lot. Um, but really, honestly, just trying to find amps that fit my my playing style. Like I said, that that Blues Deluxe, that's too much amp for a, a, a bedroom for most people unless you've got some sort of attenuator built in. My main thing that I, I look for is I look for a master volume. You know, I, I really... Yeah. So mm-hmm. my Marshall has a master volume. And so I've used a Dr. Z air brake with it. I thought it worked well, mm-hmm. but the master volume worked better. Yeah. I, I had a, uh, the Weber mass and the Weber mini mass. Yep. The cool thing was you had the load box that was part of it and all that kind of stuff. But once again, I felt like the master volume did it better. I had the THD yeah. hot plate. I tried that thing once again. Mm-hmm feel like the master volume did it better, you know? So that's one of those things that was important to me. Yeah. All right. Just to mention it, because I do play a lot live, things that I also do to help tame the volume of an amplifier, like when I'm playing live, if the stage is big enough, especially if it's outdoor, I will blow the amp off stage. Yeah. Like I'll crank it up and it'll be pointing out the back of the stage or off the side of the stage. If it's like indoor and it, there is a stage, I'll blow it under the stage. So I'll have the thing cranked up and it'll just go under the stage, which will kind of trap it and everything. And that that seems to work pretty well. So those are those are all some ways that you can really help to tame that loud amplifier, even at a live venue. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. So when you're looking for an amplifier, you've decided that you've got some money mm-hmm. and you have a void. What features do you look for in an amplifier? Okay. So if I'm being really honest, it, I need to see and hear somebody else play it. And that's very unoriginal of me, I know, but it's just the truth of it. I mean, if I hear a tone I like on record, I'm going to research that and see what they were playing. If I hear somebody live that I really like, and I've done that, and you know that, like I'm, I'm constantly chasing. I'll want to hear, you know, myself sounding like Keith Urban. So I go try to find out what gear he's playing. And um, that is kind of what's, what shaped my tones through the years is just hearing what other people played and hearing that and liking that. In fact, if I, if I plug into a Dr. Z amp, chances are I'm not going to play 
a John Mayer song just because it, to, in my brain, it doesn't connect those two things. If I plug into Dr. Z, I'm probably going to play a Brad Paisley song, which over the years I've started kind of morphing a little bit where I kind of maybe I will play a John Mayer song through my Dr. Z and maybe that starts sounding a little bit more like me instead of trying to sound like somebody else. There's something to the vibe of playing that amplifier that you know the other person was playing, you know, that helps you to be able to do it. Like, let's say that you're, you want to play a John Mayer song, you know, you want to play yeah. slow dancing in a burning room or something. Which, by the way, I've heard many times that's the new stairway to heaven. <laughs> so if you pick up a guitar and I'm guilty of this and you play slow dancing in a burning room, you are doing the 2020 version of Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> just P- just PSA for everybody out there. Man, I don't know that John's ego can handle that kind of credit. He could play a Fender Mustang through a Mesa Boogie and could definitely still sound like John Mayer. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it is probably a mental block. It probably is. I mean, because John Mayer could play it on a Mesa Boogie and he would sound like John Mayer playing it. That that's the main thing to me. The other things I'm looking for a, a lot of times, it seems like the older I get, the more I'm looking for is I want simple. I don't want, I, I really don't like channel switching amps and I don't really know why just in my mind, I want something simple. I kind of want a one trick pony that I can kind of do one thing really well with. And then if I need another amp, I'll just buy another amp that does that thing really well. Right. Yeah. And actually that's part of the reason why I've gotten down to just a couple of amplifiers. Yeah. One that's easy to kind of cart around with me. And then one that is kind of the, but this is what I love. Yeah. But it's not as easy to cart around. Sure. And, and that's one of the things with, you know, with modelers is, is I've got a hundred amps in there, but what I find myself doing is I only play two or three and I really focus in on those that I like. Yeah. And speaking of modeling amplifiers, have you ever had any modeling amplifiers? Yeah, I think I've, I've tried them all. I, uh, yeah. I've, gone, <laughs> I've gone Kemper and I've, well, you know, I started a long time ago with the line six, the axis or something like that. The very first, the very first one. Well, there was the flex tone. Oh, that was later on. I had those two flex tone, spider flex tone two, flex tone three. I've had spiders. I've had the Yamaha DG one, whatever it was, uh, the line six Veta. Oh, uh, the Veta. Yes. The, the Vox Valvatronics. We've had those. Oh, I've you, had the Vox Valvatronics. Yeah, I you, did the, I did the 8120 VT and, and that was the combo. And I liked it so much that I went, I'm going to get the head and cab yeah. and get those little Neo dog. Uh, speakers in the mm-hmm. in the head and cab, and I did that as well. I man, I love that. That was actually yeah. on one of my albums for a few tracks because it was the amp that did the job best. Yeah, you. I mean, you turned me onto that, and I thought, man, this is everything I need. And um, we've talked about this before, but I'm on this merry-go-round where I go from I need simple few knobs, and then I go back around again till I need everything. And and it's stupid for me not to have this one amp that does everything. So I'll go back to a modeler. And then I'm like, ah, I don't need all this crap. I'm just going to go and go to a, a simple amp again and simple setup. And so I'm just constantly going. But yeah, they, they've all sounded great. And, you know, recently I've, I've moved on to HX Stomp and then I moved on to a Kemper. So I d- I've done the Kemper as well. So I, I had the Kemper Toaster. Yeah. Um, then I went, uh, then I sold that off and I got the rack unit, mm-hmm. which is actually when, uh, when you started to use the rack unit as well. Yeah. And then I sold off the rack and I went to the stage Mm -hmm. and then I sold off the stage. (laughs) And if I were to go back and buy another Kemper again, it would be the rack. 
I, I would yeah. I would get the rack. Yeah. yeah, to me that's the ultimate rig. Have a, a Kemper uh head and then control it with the HX effects. Then you've got all your effects in there and it's it's considerably smaller than the Kemper floorboard, which is great too. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I like I like the idea of that. But but again, I'm back now to single channel amp, couple of analog effects, and uh I'm I'm tired of menus, so I yeah. just went straight ahead <laughs> knobs. Yeah. Well, and for me, the reason why why I went that route of the Kemper was was largely just because I I needed a quiet stage volume, and mm-hmm. you really can't do that with a you know a Marshall head and a four twelve cab. No. I also had I had a lot of gas gear acquisition syndrome <laughs> for amplifiers. Yes. I wanted a Sir Badger. I wanted a PRS J mod that's like 10 grand. I yeah. wanted a Dumble, which was a hundred grand, you know, because once again, this is what the forums tell you. This is what yeah. you need. I'm sorry. You're just not going to be able to play John Mayer without a Dumble. Oh, I'm sorry. You're just not going to be able to, to beat Eddie Van Halen without a 5150. Yeah. You know, and so you get all these different things that are like, oh, I got to have it. I want it. I want it. I want it. And I, I started adding it up and I went, yeah, I, I'm going to have to sell my house, my cars, <laughs> yes. you know, in order to make this, this thing happen. And I was like, yeah, none of those are an okay option with me. And yeah. so when I found out for a couple of grand, I could basically have all of these amps at my fingertips. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very tempting. It's, it's like you look at that and you think, I can have all of that for this price, which is a a a bargain when you really look at it and oh yeah um i mean and like like we've said before you're not you're not just changing a setting on the amp you can change your entire rig with one button yeah. so you know you can be going from a clean fender with you know nice compression and some reverb next thing you know you're playing like a heavy distorted you know guitar with flanger and delay and with one button i mean it's incredible no tap dancing no nothing just one button. So it's very tempting. I was actually really, really surprised at how lifelike and how great it felt. Yeah. You know, like it, those profiles are absolutely fantastic. Now, mm-hmm. I, I have not done the Helix, but I do have a Pod Go. And the biggest complaint I have about the Pod Go is that I feel like there's really only one amp model in there that I like at all. And it sounds nothing like the actual amp it's emulating. To me, if you're going to make a modeler, it needs to act and react like what it's modeling. So with the Kemper, if I profile a Marshall Super Lead, I want it to act like a Marshall Super Lead. Mm-hmm. And, and people say, oh, no, 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 you just use your ears, quit looking at the dials. Well, if I'm trying to make like a change real quick during a performance, I'm not going to just use my ears and tweak. Right. I needed to react like I wanted to react. And so that's, that's ultimately where I, I, some of the downfalls happened. I think Kemper did it the best, but then again, I've never tried an an Axe effects, so maybe Mm -hmm. they do it really well too. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you. And and that's, that's kind of where, where it led me as well as it, it just really was about tweaking and really about getting everything in. You know, with the effects and with the amps and everything, you could get it sounding great, but it, it just, it takes some time. And I ultimately, I just decided I didn't want to spend that time. There is something about having the limitations 
of the analog stuff yeah. to where you go, well, that's the best I can get. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to you listen to it and you go, you know what? I feel like I could get a little more clarity if I just added a little more direct mix or mm-hmm. if I yep. use the clarity knob or if I change the sag or, you know, and so all of those things can definitely add into it. And, and ultimately I found that when I plug modelers like those, those stage modelers or, or like the Iridium mm-hmm. or, or the Podgo or whatever, when I plug those into studio monitors, I have to tweak when I get to the venue. Yeah. yeah. When I use my headphones, I have to tweak when I go to the venue. So what I decided to do was I'm going to, I just decided to buy a PA speaker. So like I have a turbo sound M10. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also used a, a QSC K12 and these are, these are actual PA speakers that people would use. And I just plug it into that and I do all my tweaking with that. And yeah. what I found was for me, when I would show up to the venue, I rarely ever had to do any tweaking. And when I did start to notice I had to tweak, I would ask the sound tech if he had an EQ on my, on my channel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. nine times out of 10, he did. And so I was like, just flatten it out. And then er- there it was. Everything was good to go. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the same either way. I mean, you're going to have to tweak a guitar amp too. It's just, it's what, oh, yeah. it's what you're comfortable doing. And, 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 you know, maybe it's, I mean, I wouldn't consider us old, but we're older than, you know, 20 year olds. Oh yeah. And maybe, you know, to a 20 year old, maybe tweaking parameters and going in and editing with the app, maybe that, that doesn't feel like anything out of the ordinary, but for me, that's one turn. And I, a lot of times I won't even look at the numbers on the amp. I'm just turning a knob until it feels right. And I mean, really you could do the same thing on a modeler. It's just, I just, oh, yeah. at this point in my life, I don't really want to. As we start to bring the session to a close, the last thing that I think would be fun to kind of talk about is where do you think the future of amplifiers are really going to be or where they're going to go? In the last few years, I would say the biggest changes, the biggest like milestone things that have happened is profiling an amplifier and impulse responses. Those IRs. Yeah. Huge. So where, where do you see the amp world going? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously with technology being the way it is, like it's going to continue to be modelers, profilers. Like you said, the IRs are getting better every day. And you look at, you know, processing power of devices. If you look at a modeler now compared to 10 years ago, the improvements are just leaps and bounds. And at the time, I remember back whenever the first Line 6 amp came out, we thought, wow, that's incredible. That sounds just like a Marshall. That sounds just like a Fender. But now looking back, it's like, wow, it's improved so much. I think it's going to continue to improve where you cannot tell the difference. I think that modelers are the way of the future. I think even amp makers are starting to realize that and they're starting to release their own official Kemper profiles or Kemper packs. You know, the Kemper has been out 10, 12 years, maybe. I'm sure they're working on something new or other people trying to catch up. I think they're just going to continue to get better. And I think everybody's going to be playing some sort of digital modeler um, in the future. And I mean, everybody's always going to love vintage amps and tube amps, but there's not a lot of people making tubes anymore. So eventually a tube company goes out of business and starts that kind of domino falling. Um, who knows? Maybe we run out of tubes and maybe a race force to go to uh, modelers. Wow. You went apocalypse on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's no more tubes. It's, it's going to be Mad Max. Where are the light bulbs? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be. I mean, 2020 has been 
interesting enough already. So, yeah, you know, losing tubes would be just the icing on top of the cake. I think you're on the right track. I I feel like what I'm going to end up seeing from like Kemper is they're eventually going to end up coming up with something that's more iridium sized. Yeah. And they're still going to have a way to do profiling. So I say more iridium sized, it might be more clon sized or it might be more HX effects sized, you know, so, but like smaller than what they've got, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have any effects. It's just a, an amp Mm -hmm. profiler, the end. And I could see that happening in the next 10 years. Yeah. And I'll buy it whenever they release it. I mean, yeah, I will easily buy it. I can't, I can't wait for that. That's kind of what I want, to be honest. I, and, and yes. you know, run your pedals through that. Have just a few choices, not unlimited choices, but like we've talked about before, they want people profiling. You yes. know, they, they want to have that in there because the more profiles that are out, the more people want to buy it. Because I, not too long ago, I, I mean, I've got some profiles of like famous people's amps. And it's like, that's super cool that I'm playing through that same person's amp. and. You know, the the guy from Diamond Rio, Jimmy Olander, he started using Kemper. So they profiled his amp and I got those profiles. And so here I am playing through the exact same profile that Jimmy Olander's playing through. I mean, that's that's cool. And, and 20 years ago, that would have never happened. Uh, all right. So I guess I guess that kind of closes everything out. So, yeah. Jason, do you have anything else you want to you want to mention? No, thanks for having me on. Thanks for this uh, stroll down memory lane of all the nice amps I've had over the years and foolishly <laughs> got rid of. Yeah, well, maybe this therapy session did go backwards. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm about to go buy them all right now. That's right. <laughs> Which means you're going to have to sell everything off. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to trade all the ones I love. Well, that concludes this group therapy session of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. My name is Dr. T, and remember, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I have fun talking gear. Until next time.